0: Chapter 25
1: Crouching just below the office pass-through, I reached for my car and my ankle holster. Smaller by design and meant to be carried as a backup or concealed weapon, the car felt unfamiliar in my hand. I suddenly wished I'd spent as much time at the range with it as I had with my Glock. The mayor had peace in a chokehold. I recognized the familiar handgun pressed against her temple as he walked her towards the back of the store. I know you're here, Fitz, You, Give me those discs and I'll let her go. What discs? I don't know what you're talking about. Don't play games with me. I know Anna Maria had pictures of me. Her idiot brother-in-law told me she had photos of all her clients. Is that why you started threatening her? To get her to turn them over to you? I stood and stepped into the office doorway, pointing the car directly at the pair. Peace cried out. Fitz, please! She tried to struggle free. Shut up! The mayor pushed the glock harder against her temple as they continued in lockstep toward me. Peace kept struggling, pulling at the mayor's armor on her neck, making it difficult for me to get a clean shot at him. Let her go. She's got nothing to do with any of this. I don't. I found the discs in my safe. Anna Maria put them there without me knowing.
0: Let her go, Pete. Let her go and I'll give you the disc. And let
1: you shoot me? I'm not a fucking idiot. Pete stopped in the center of the shop. Peace still wriggling to get free. The glock slipped from her temple to her jaw. Stand still, bitch. I'll fucking blow your head off. Peace froze and I inched closer. You wouldn't be in this mess if you'd been taking care of business at home. Mia knew you were doing something you shouldn't and hired me to figure it out. If I could keep him talking, maybe he'd let peace go. Maybe we could resolve this without any shots fired. I found your name in a journal of Anna Maria's didn't take long for us to figure out what she was doing. Us? Who's us? The police and Mia. Who do you think? That bitch wanted me to run for mayor. She pushed me into it. And she'd never go anywhere with me. Every politician's wife shows up at events with him, but not Mia. She starts bitching about how much time the job takes, how lonely is she is at home. How the hell am I supposed to run any kind of campaign for the statehouse if people think she's not behind me? Distracted, Pete's grip loosened. Peace got enough leverage to shove her elbow sharply into his solar plexus. With a groan, he released her and stepped back. She dove for the floor, screaming as Pete drew the Glock up at me. He pulled back the trigger and I dove for the cover behind the office wall. The bullet struck the office door frame. I fired back, but missed. Peace screamed and Pete turned to fire at her. She tried to run toward me, pushing a display rack at him, sending skeins of yarn all over the floor. Pete jumped back and I grabbed Peace by the back of her sweater. Her into the office. Stay down! Sobbing, Peace complied, lying on the floor with her hands covering her head. I'll kill you, Fitzhugh! You. I'm gonna fucking kill you! Someone shouted from just outside the door. Pete spun around. There was a flash as he fired. The shot went high, burying itself in the ceiling as Barnes, leaning into the doorway enough to get a clean shot, returned fire. Pete spun again as the bullet struck him, fell to the floor, screaming cops ran in, weapons drawn. Pete, bleeding from the shoulder, screamed in pain as they sat him up and cuffed him. Someone called for an ambulance as another cop pressed against the wound to control the bleeding. I slipped my car back into my ankle holster and helped Pete stand up. Holding her by the arm, we came out of the office. You take too many goddamn risks, Fitz. You always have. Barnes holstered his service weapon. When the prosecutor tells you to stay put, you need to listen. You need to be present for the interrogation. Peace here said she had the missing photo discs. I knew we couldn't solve this thing without them. Barnes rolled his eyes and walked up to Pete. How did you get involved with Anna Maria Polito and Rosario Drayton? Through Steve Harrison? That bastard deserved what he got. He comes to work for my campaign, gets his boss to shovel cash at me, then introduces me to some broad he calls Mistress Delaney. Sarkowski's arrogance still seethed even as he gasped out each word. You could have turned her down. You could have said no. Pete smirked at Barnes. I wasn't getting any at home, so I figured what the hell. Then once I got the lay of the land, I wanted more than what Mistress Delaney provided, if you get my drift. So she hooks me up with someone she calls Mistress Shibari, says she specializes in something a little more involved. What we did wasn't illegal. Murdering four people
0: was... I shot a look at Barnes. Rosario?
1: He nodded. About an hour ago. First Anna Maria, then Steve Harrison and Julian Mazaros. Now Rosario Drayton is dead too. I shook my head in disbelief. Two paramedics came through the door, interrupting the questioning. Barnes and I watched silently as they worked to control the bleeding. In a few minutes, they had him on a gurney in the back of the medic. Another team of paramedics checked on Peace, who was rattled, but otherwise okay. You and I know he'll be lured up by the time he gets to the ER. We won't get another word out of him until trial. I pulled out my wallet and handed Barnes the envelope.
0: This should help. Do I want to look at it? I shrugged. Depends on what you're into, but purely from a professional point of view. This has motive written all over it.
1: Lake effect snows sweeping from Chicago across Toledo kept Marco's Aunt Beverly from coming as originally planned, which was both a good and bad thing. Good because it gave me a few more days with the kid. Bad because his presence kept Alicia out of my bed. Her hours were long, too, as investigation into the case continued, limiting our contact to late-night phone calls. Not while he's upstairs in your guest room, she told me each night. I promise, the night he leaves. Finally, on Saturday, we were able to get out of the house. Katie, Alicia, and I took Marco to the mall to outfit him with a week's worth of new clothing, toiletries, and a suitcase to put it all in. I even added money to his cell phone account after making Marco promise he'd call me at least once a week. We figured it was one way to make it up to the kid who'd spent that morning telling Barnes his side of the story. Katie seemed to sense something was brewing between Alicia and me. With a nod and a wink in my direction, she took Marco to the other end of the mall to get a pair of shoes. Over a cup of coffee in the food court, Alicia filled me in on the details of the case. So, Counselor, out with it. Tell me the dirty details. It's not much. Youngstown PD caught Joe and Carlotta on their way to the airport. Joe started spilling his guts right there in the back of the squad car. So where did he fit into all this? When Carlotta got word that Anna Maria had been murdered, she already suspected that something had happened between her sister and her husband. She just wasn't sure if it was an ongoing affair or a one-time thing. Joe knew about the photos and lived in fear of his sister-in-law saying something to Carlotta. By the way, Carlotta was looking for evidence when she tore up Anna Maria's guest room, just like you thought. Joe told her the rest of the story after you met him at the truck stop. After you told me about the photo discs, Mia called Carlotta. She and Joe figured Marco had them and went after him. Are you going to charge Joe with anything? I haven't decided. It's between misdemeanor assault and child endangerment, but Carlotta will definitely face obstruction charges. She'll probably end up with probation, but I want to make sure she's had the fear of God put into her by the time we're done. One more question, Counselor. What pushed his honor to shoot four people? Alicia stirred her coffee. From what Barnes got out of Pete, Harrison wanted to move up at Ferret Drilling. He said that if he didn't get more tax breaks, he'd expose Joe's relationship, figuring the deal would make him look good to his bosses. But isn't he the one who introduced him to the Velvet Rope sex club? And all that stuff about the Velvet Rope being some kind of sex club was a bunch of crap. It was just Rosario and Anna Maria. I don't think we'll ever know why or how they started it, but looks like they did make a bunch of money. But why did Pete threaten Anna Maria? Apparently the Zatkowski and the Pecorini wives were quite close, but not the guys. One night, Joe confides to Pete about his relationship with Anna Maria, Madame Shibari, and how she had pictures of him. Joe didn't know Pete was a client of hers, too. That's what started it all. Pete hears the story and suddenly he knows who Madame Shabari really is and that she could destroy him. Pete still claims he only went over to Anna Maria's to scare her and that the shooting was an accident. The bastard has no compunction about pinning the whole thing on a foster kid who's losing his mother to prison, though. Yeah, that'll go over really well with the jury. Harrison told the Mary that you'd discovered the journal, and once you started tailing him, he figured Harrison would spill more of his secrets. He said he burst in on Harrison, who was still hogtied. Rosario was apparently in the other room. She escaped, but Pete knew if he killed Harrison, Rosario would have to go too. I shook my head. Jesus. So who was it that stole my gun in exchange for five stitches? Don't know yet. We can't get the three of them to shut up, but I think it was the mayor. Between him, Joe, and Carlotta, they're all spilling so fast it's hard to get it all down, but we'll figure it out. Don't you worry. And Julia Mazzaro's? Did she know about the whole deal? She scheduled all of Rosario's clients, both the accounting clients and the bondage clients. We're still checking that out. So were there a lot of accounting clients? (sighs) Not hardly.
0: The accounting business was just a cover. Yeah. Did you get a chance to talk to
1: the other partners? Other partners? Are you kidding me? Alicia lay her hand on my arm. Fitz, honey, you really are naive, aren't you? What do you mean? You haven't put the name of the accounting firm together, have you?
0: No. Baglio, Drayton, Serpentio and more. You don't see it? See what? Look at the initials. BDSM. Oh. <laughs> You're such a dummy
1: sometimes. But I think I'll keep you.
0: <laughs> Laughing, Alicia nodded toward Katie and Marco, carrying shopping bags.
1: Looks like they're back. Time to change the subject. The next day, snow was falling heavily outside as Alicia, Marco, and I sat in the living room. I didn't know if it was the blanketing snow or the creeping sadness that squelched any desire for conversation. Each time tires crunched down the street, I jumped up and parted the curtains to see if Marco's Aunt Beverly had arrived from Toledo. Sit down, Fitz.
0: Alicia patted the couch beside her. I can't.
1: I turned to Marco, who was pulling at the new tie around his neck. Why do I have to wear this stupid thing? The sullenness was back, but now I saw it as self-protection for a kid who never knew where he'd land next. You need to look good for your Aunt Beverly. You want to make a good impression. What if she doesn't like me? What if I hate Toledo? Give it a chance. Give her a chance. Like I told you yesterday, you can call me anytime you want. I'll always get back to you, even if I can't talk right then. Promise? I promise. There was a knock at the door. Marco's eyes got big. Alicia stood and hugged him before she answered. Aunt Beverly was slightly overweight and walked with a bit of a roll in her gait, but her smile was warm and inviting. She was older than Alicia and younger than me. The gray was starting to streak through her brown hair, which was piled on top of her head. I could see she had the same kind of maternal streak as my sister's. The sweatshirt beneath her coat had a picture of a hand holding a cup of coffee. Beneath the cup were the words, Coffee is liquid life. Hi, Marco. I'm your Aunt Beverly. I'm your mom's big sister. Grudgingly, Marco stood and shook her hand. Hi. Alicia and I introduced ourselves. I want to thank you, Mr. Fitzhugh and Miss Lenneman, for taking such good care of my nephew. My sister struggled with addiction for a number of years. Hopefully she'll be able to get the help she needs in Marysville. We hope so, too. The intent is always to bring a family back together when it's most advantageous for the child. Can I visit her in Marysville? Beverly smiled at Marco. Yes, you can. I promise you we'll drive down at least once a month for visiting day. A mix of relief and hope flooded his face. Beverly picked up Marco's suitcase and smiled at him. We need to get going. Got a whole house full of cousins who are anxious to meet you. I do? Yeah. You'll be sharing a room with Joey. He's your age. He's lived all his life with three sisters, so he's excited to have another boy in the house. Marco looked at me, as if he wasn't certain he could believe all the rainbows and unicorn shit this broad was dishing out. I winked at him reassuringly. You're gonna do okay, kid. Go on. Get out of here.
0: Marco threw his scrawny arms around me and buried his face in my shirt. I'm gonna
1: miss you, Fitz.
0: I hugged him tight. I'm gonna miss you too, weasel. For some reason there was a catch in my voice. Probably the cold. I never did do well in the winter. Stay in touch, okay? I will. Marco took his suitcase
1: from Beverly. Again, thank you both for everything you did for my nephew. Alicia and I stood waving at the door until the shapeless gray sedan disappeared into the swirling snow. I sighed as we closed the door. You did a good job with him, Fitz. You really did. Alicia
0: laced her hand through mine. God, I hope so. I'm gonna miss that little shit. Yeah, me too. So what happens now, Counselor? She wrapped her arms around me. Anything you want, Fitz. Anything you want.